0: I was recording Model Rail Radio last night and I talked a little bit about the time in the UK, but I, I was just doing Model Rail Radio, which is a process in and of itself requires talking to a variety of people. And I was concluding Model Rail Radio when someone in the chat, a gentleman by the name of John Garrity, decided he would ask me about some of the stuff that I saw when I was in Kent. I went to Kent to visit some Model Rail Radio listeners and participants that are part of an informal group. I wouldn't even call them a club, but just a group of gentlemen that get together on a regular basis and show their layouts, their train layouts at shows, do some amazing work and some really nice and interesting and thoroughly, thoroughly appreciative participants in Model Royale Radio. So I was taken aback by the emotion that hit me. Even recording now, I'm taken aback by the emotion that hit me to jaxtapose my time in the UK with my time here and the strongest emotion that I felt even through the problems that I had in the UK with the banking was that even on my worst day in the UK, it is so much nicer (laughs) than my average day here and the kind of nonsense that I encounter in my average day here, the kind of nonsense that I encounter with the local community, the ridiculousness, the potential for Google to come into our area And there are people posting on Nextdoor, which is, you know, social networks for me are just not really a good place to be in any time or shape. But people posting on Nextdoor say that Google is responsible for San Jose's homeless problem, because that's actually what the politicians here say. (laughs) Google's not even here yet. It's responsible for the homeless. And that's what the politicians say. And the people just recite it without even thinking about how ridiculous this thing sounds. Because the politicians will never take any responsibility for anything here. Politicians aren't much better in the UK. They are slightly better. But I was just thinking that the systemic nature of groupthink and a variety of other problems that I find with my time here, I just don't have that exposure in the UK. And although there are a bunch of human-related problems in the UK, don't get me wrong, I think people actually pause to think maybe after or maybe even before they say things or type things in this case. So I have this strange relationship with returning here. But I did want to talk a little bit about my time in London. I've not usually liked going to London, but this trip I had a really nice time in London. I think the trick with London is to find a place to stay that is outside general London. Here I was staying in a place called Mort Lake, which was relatively close. I mean, it's not particularly close to London Heathrow, but I like to stay on the west side of London. Typically outside most of the train routes Although this was pretty perfectly located And I stayed there for maybe two, three nights And I just had a really nice set of experiences I mean, I came up from Kent I had to leave the folks in Kent early In order to check into this house But it was a beautiful house Had a cat, which is always a benefit And actually on the Friday that I was there I was there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday Flying out early Saturday morning on the Friday I was there in the afternoon, I just decided to work from the house because I had some work I had to do. I was working through the time I was in the UK, which worked out pretty well, actually. So my time in London was mainly catching up with family. Here I have second cousins, but I also have an uncle and aunts. My uncle and aunt are on my mother's side. My second cousins are on my father's side. So I saw a couple of second cousins who happened to be brother and sister, but, uh, you know, caught up with them, different locations, different times and saw my uncle and aunt for Thursday evening. And in each opportunity, went to different parts of London to meet them. There were some places I wanted to go food-wise, I didn't have an opportunity to go to. I wasn't really fussed by this stage. But I actually did quite a bit of shopping and books. And as I've already talked about, obviously going to the Ork's Nest, but just shopping, you know, just experiencing things that I know I can only get in England. And books in particular, I'd... Decided not really to do some book shopping and then I had an afternoon before I was meeting my uncle and aunt at 8pm for dinner and I just happened to be in the right part or perhaps the wrong part of London. These books actually haven't yet arrived. They're one of the packages that haven't yet arrived back from the UK. So this might be a big fizzer in terms of actually what I bought. I also went to the Imperial War Museum, which I wanted to go and see and the Imperial War Museum really disappointed me. I think if you don't have enough space to display certain elements creating a series of vignettes in homage to various conflicts is just really unfortunate they did have a two floor display associated with the holocaust which i don't know i mean my perspective is you've got a cue card in australia you have two floors in the imperial war museum i think the holocaust while being incredibly important and also you know resulting in my loss of various family members and things like that while being important, if you can't give a good discussion piece to the Second World War in whole, in, well, they tried to talk a little bit about how, you know, the Nazis came to power and all this good stuff, but, you know, if you've got a Second World War section, which is literally two large rooms joined by a curious kind of walkway, I mean, I just felt that the whole thing was just done poorly. And they said, I mean, there were signs up everywhere saying, coming in 2021, you know, new larger exhibit spaces. And they had areas for, you know, people to look up history and things like that. But it just struck me as too small a space for the conflicts that they're looking to show. I mean, I think probably historically before the current <laughs> multi country interventions, there might have been two floors per conflict, which might have been enough. But as it is currently, it's just all hodgepodge, mishmash. Let's throw a few things together. I was going to go to Bovington, which is the Tank Museum. Or Bovington, perhaps, as they say. I don't know. Anyway, I was going to go there this trip. I might actually make sure that I go there next trip, which is going to be difficult because it's going to be a short trip. But I feel really underwhelmed following my visit to the Imperial War Museum. I did buy a few books there. I brought them back. I've read a few of them. They're interesting. They're kind of Osprey books, extended Osprey books. But yes, it was a strange experience. I mean, it was, look, don't get me wrong. It was very nice to have a couple of hours just wandering around in the museum. But I did think very strongly about what are these museums about. Their first World War section was probably the best of all because they actually had kind of cornered off areas and things that were slightly more immersive and a proper discussion to the conflict. The Second World War stuff was just irksome and really very confused and all over the place and not really, yeah, it was just like, let's put a series of artefacts loosely coupled together in a space. Mm, not really my thing. So that was the Imperial War Museum. I did go to Philip Mould's gallery. My wife and I are fans of Fake or Fortune, which is, I think, a BBC TV show where people have bits of artwork or bits of artwork, artwork that they get evaluated and, you know, sometimes they're fake, sometimes they're real and it goes either way. I wanted to see Philip Mould's gallery because I've always been interested in art as a thing and certainly, you know, my mother in particular has a few select pieces that she claims are something of value. But the whole notion of private ownership and in particular what I do with miniatures, which is nothing really like this, but You know, finding artists, giving them money and seeing what they produce. This thing I like with regards to art in general as well. So Philip Mould's Gallery is an interesting mix of stuff through the centuries, from about the 15th century through to the present day. And he is part of a movement, I will say, I will say this without any knowledge, but I'll say it explicitly. He's part of a movement of retouching old pieces of art which I feel really very strange about. To see paintings that are from the 16th century that have vibrant brush strokes on them because someone has touched this thing up, it just strikes me. I mean, I have no problem with, with preservation and removing of filth and all this kind of stuff. Like, you know, although filth I think is important, the removing of filth and the brightening of pictures I'm comfortable with in part. But actually, when you start applying new brush strokes over the top, when you make something into something which is very modern looking in appearance, but obviously has the, you know, the original art underneath, that strikes me as something that's very different and rather strange. It strikes me as something which is trying to make this work palatable for an audience that probably wouldn't really have any meaningful interest in this work otherwise. It's very curious to stand in front of a picture that is so old and then appreciate that so much new stuff has been put on top of it. It's a very curious thing. It's almost like, you know, plastic surgery on, you know, aging stars. It is just a very curious thing. And really, honestly, I was very taken aback by that. I saw work that I thought had intrinsic value that had not been touched up quite so severely but the older stuff that had been touched up severely just didn't strike me that it had the intrinsic value that was being ascribed to it it was a very strange experience in that light but I had fun in Philip Moscow I I hadn't allocated that much time there but I ended up spending about an hour and a half just wandering around and picked up the booklet had a chat it was one piece of art that my wife since nixed but I thought was particularly nice and asked how much it was, which took about half an hour to actually track down. But, you know, it was a very nice experience and very, in most of my time in in London in particular, I was constantly on the move. I was constantly kind of sweaty and moving. And this was a slowing down, a return of pace. And also I have, I guess, various closeted aspirations associated with, you know, trying to participate in, in nicer things which goes in stark contrast to, you know, my time with Bob Bottram and this kind of stuff, really a majority of how I conduct myself. But certainly when I look at these things as being things that I could potentially own, you start to view these things very differently and you start to realise actually there's an experience associated with just entering this environment, which you can have an experience and think about. And then most importantly, as I should point out here, which would be perfectly clear, have an opinion on. So to go into this art gallery and have an opinion on these, you know, 500-year-old works that have had new brushstrokes added, that is a luxury, more so than even owning one of these things. So that was a smattering of the experiences that I had in London. And I'm going to have to go back to London sometime in the next six months to potentially two years. I've corresponded with the folks that run the book writing thing, to try and get a time frame for when I will be having lunch with these two gentlemen. They haven't been able to get back to me on that. I'm going to actually pursue it because I want to book tickets and get things in place. And I'd also like a commitment to have lunch with these gentlemen. I've, you know, gotten an offer to have lunch with these gentlemen, but nothing that's, like, more committed. And certainly that is a process independent of everything else. But I will be going back to London. I will hopefully... Be finally opening this bank account in London I'm not going to do the Northwest. I'm just going to do it in London And try to make things as simple as possible And this trip was a great sense of the potential And just the ease of travel around London I found really good The tube stations, all this kind of stuff I worked out basically, you know It's not the places that you go to that you should remember It's the lines that you were on Which I knew historically But just reminded me, you know You go north, you go south the walking isn't really that hard. It was particularly cold. The wind chill factor stripped off 10 degrees Celsius easily. But it was such a nice experience. And it was just such a leisurely paced experience. And it made me reflect on what am I even doing here? Like, there's a certain, you know, there would be, if I were in the UK, if I were working currently in the UK, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing currently here. That, without question, is obvious. But, In saying that, the quality of life that I would have there in contrast to here is something that I can't avoid. And when you start thinking about quality of life questions, I've talked a little bit about the community, all these kind of things. Well, yes, we could move, potentially. We could live in some kind of furnished apartment somewhere in a swankier part of the Bay Area. I could live right next to work, potentially. There are all these things that could happen that might improve certain aspects of this thing. But nothing would provide the quality of life that I experienced, even as a a dysfunctional tourist in my time in the UK. And I'm very, very mindful of that. And I just need to expand that in my future life. But I'm really looking forward to getting back to London to open this bank account and just all the potential adventures and things that will occur through that. It was an interesting trip in terms of cost. I maximised the cost of getting there to try to minimise the frustration that I had I don't want to necessarily narrate that too much in this podcast, but to say it was a better flying experience that I've had in ever. So that clearly is a factor. But when I was there, I didn't actually cost that much money. The accommodation was the highest cost. And compared to the Bay Area, meals and travel, all these kind of things were nothing. I mean, really, it was astonishing how cheap everything was in contrast to where I live currently. So that little footnote to my time in the UK.